Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is the podcast all about slow living in a fast-paced world. I'm Brooke McCallery. My name's Ben McCallery. Welcome to episode 230, The Great Outdoors, part three. Yeah, so we're heading into week three, end of week two. And it's honestly been amazing. It has. I'm this week's so enjoying. This pretty, pretty special for our outdoor adventures, I think. It really, there's been a few wondrous and awe-inspiring moments. Yeah, I want to hear about those because I think this is the week for me that things have started to really come together and I found myself craving my time outdoors. I mean, I've, I've always I've understood it the last couple of weeks and I've enjoyed it, but some days, not going to lie, there's been that internal monologue that's like, yeah, you, you, you should go, but it's so cosy but it's so nice inside, but one day won't hurt, which is true. But what I've found is that the consistent effort over the past couple of weeks has held me in really good stead this week. It's been really beyond enjoyable. Yeah, and it's highlighted for me how irritable you get when you don't get outside. Mm. Yep, that is also uncomfortably true. I do find myself getting very agitated. When I don't get... As the day progresses and you're like, oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, and I think it's also, for me, it's also a combination of often I go walking alone. And so it's not only being outdoors, enjoying the elements, you know, doing all the things that we've spoken about the last three weeks, but it's also, yeah, like a double whammy of, of just quiet time. Like we were talking about last week, time for my brain to do its thing. And while I can still, I think I can absolutely still do that to some extent when I've got company, it's not the same for me. Do you feel like that? It doesn't seem to bother you as much. Yeah, I don't think it bothers me as much as it bothers you. Yeah. It's still, it still plays a, a role and it influences how I treat my headspace when I'm outside. Mm. But yeah, I don't think it's as big an issue. But let's talk about less the head and more the body for this episode. Yep. So last week we spoke about performance, concentration, memory, that kind of stuff. One of the huge benefits of time outside. One of the ones that I didn't realize I was going to be so impressed by, to be honest. This week is a tricky one for me because when I first wrote this down, when we were structuring out this month's experiment, I'm like physical benefits and then obviously immediately thought of exercise. Yep. And I didn't ever want this experiment to become complicated with the idea of exercise. Mm. It doesn't have to be exercise. We've said mm-hmm. this from the beginning. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be running trails or, you know, hiking big mountains or anything like that. It can be sitting in the park. It can be a leisurely stroll with your toddler. You know, it doesn't have to get your heart rate going. So for me, I'm like, oh, is this actually going to apply? Turns out it really, really does, but not in the ways I was expecting. Let's get into it. Okay. So I guess we should start with how our last week has been before we get into the actual physical benefits of how we felt. Yes, let's do that. Tell me, what have you done? Well, let's share it day by day. So, so day, 15 day 15 of the experiment, Yep. Uh, I went for a walk quite late in the day, comically late in the day, actually. Turns out it gets really dark really quickly around here. 
So you went out before with... daylight saving started. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you guys went out a bit earlier. You came back. We tag teamed because one of our kids was sick. And I, yeah, I went out after the sun had set, maybe if not as the sun was setting. Yeah. And had to make my way back. How is that walking in the dark in the pitch dark? You know what? If it was a couple of weeks later, I probably would be more scared. I feel like it was still quite wintry when I was out there. What so, are you talking about? The wildlife. The, the big b-, b word. The b word. Yeah. It was. Like it was a bit disconcerting, but it's not. I wasn't in the middle of the wilderness, you know. It was a trail that kind of backs onto people's yards. It did, wouldn't have taken much for me to spot a house light or anything like that. It wasn't was an issue, but it just surprised me. Mm. And I'm like, it could get, it could be creepy out here at night, but okay. also it could be lovely. Yeah, I just want to know how did it how did it compare to the early morning walk? How did did uh, you can you compare it? Is it better? Is it the same. It was different. I'd never done it before. Yeah. So it was it was kind of a bit exhilarating in a different way. Yeah. You know, if I start the day with a walk in the morning, which I haven't done so much because it's so icy in the mornings at the moment, it it kind of lifts me for the whole day. Whereas this felt like an exhalation at the end of the day. It just yeah. felt like a oh thank God I made it through. Yeah. And that was kind of what that felt like. But added into that was this real yeah, it was a bit exciting to be yeah. out there in the dark. So I walked at around about three, four o'clock in the afternoon that day with our son, mm. and I had my crabby pants on because I remember it. You know, it it's sort of like you spend your whole day probably was working, doing schoolwork, you know, boring administrative stuff, like just the whole day inside. And then you you, you put your head up, you feel like you come out the other side, and you're like, oh, I haven't been outside, and you don't really want to do it. You know, mm. you just want to like sit on the couch and eat something bad. But in the back of my head was like, get out, got to get out. And going for a walk in the afternoon, I, I remember feeling so crappy, like just ugh, like sluggish. Mm. And I felt unhealthy. But just that walk, that hour, 40-minute walk, was just so beneficial mm. for the rest of the It put my head in the right headspace for the rest of the night. This week is the first time I've really seen you engage with the mental benefits. Mm. You, you've been on board with it the whole time, but this week was the first time I've seen you say things like it was like wondrous or mm. uplifting. Mm. And I feel like that was kind of the turning point. This this week has been the turning point. So the next day you oh, went. That was magic in the morning. Is that that one? The, this was... Was that the and dump? The no, that was the day well? after. Okay, so this one was just a, a another walk. Oh, it was a walk again with my son out in the morning this time. Mm. It wasn't in the afternoon, but in the morning, and set up the day really well. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I went out. I I was a bit crab crabby like you were the day before, and I remember I didn't want to go, but it was coming up to sunset, and I didn't really want to go out as late as I had the day before. So I'm like, okay. Reduce the scope, stick to the schedule. So don't aim for the hour. Go for 10 minutes. Yeah. Just go for Just do something, five minutes, whatever. Yeah. Just go up the back to the trail, mm-hmm. go for a wander for five minutes, come back. Mm-hmm. And I got out there. And, of course, within five minutes, I'm like, this is amazing. And yeah. I walked for almost an hour and a half and came back at sunset. Yeah. It was just spectacular. Mm. Found this beautiful park bench, you know, watch kids play in the park, all this kind of stuff. It was it was. Beautiful. And I, that's been my biggest lesson this week is 
we can do, we can hack out our motivation up to a certain point, I think, by this idea of reduce the scope, stick to the schedule, which is a James Clear idea, mm. I think. I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes. But instead of going, okay, well, I've missed my, my window to do an hour. I suck. Days are wash. Just, you know, mm. move on. Mm. His suggestion is find something that is a much smaller version of what you wanted to do and keep being consistent on a day-to-day basis and over time you will create that habit and it, it won't matter so much if you if you reduce the scope every few days so that was my my thinking and it, it worked except that not only did I I stick to the schedule but I actually didn't reduce the scope in the end in fact it got longer it did yeah, yeah. and i enjoyed yeah. it even more maybe yeah so the next two days were the best days of my experiment so far and that is being outside first thing in the morning, it is absolutely puking with snow. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about that lightest, fluffiest snow. I felt like I was in the white line, the witch of the wardrobe, <laughs> down this path with Toby. I, I put it up on my Instagram. It was just amazing. Yeah, it was a magic day. It a really, really was. magic day. Then the following day, we had a awesome day up on the ski hill at Whitewater uh, Ski Resort. 38 centimetres of snow, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was just so fun. Oh, it was magic. They were saying it was the best day of the whole season. Yeah. Uh, and it was our first day there. So we were just so it stoked. Was, and it was really nice to spend time outdoors doing something other than going for a walk. Yeah. yeah. Like no, it was very, and as a family as yeah, well. Active, like all yeah. of us. No, it was, it was amazing. There's something really incredible about it. We've spoken about it before. Just that realisation when you're on a mountain and you've got a piece of wood or two pieces of wood strapped to your feet and you're sliding down it. I mean, it's partly crazy and partly exhilarating. And that was that day. It was so much fun. I've never fallen over so much. Luckily, it didn't hurt. Exactly. <laughs> and then the next day was a different day again. We just went for a wander to a park and you and I sat in this beautiful riverside lakeside park for an hour or two watching the kids play. And that was, it wasn't active. It wasn't full of, you know, mindful or inspiring wondrous moments. It was just beautiful. The sun was shining for the first time really since we've been in Nelson and we just soaked it up. There was a lot of families around, a lot of people playing. and The simple act of sitting on a park bench in the sun. Yeah. And it was the first, you're right, the first day we really got to appreciate the sun shining where we are at the moment. Unbelievable mm. feeling. Like I always knew that it was a nice feeling, but being, you know, was like probably zero degrees or one degree. But just having this sun and quite, you know, you could feel the heat of it. Yeah, it was warm. And it made me think about the physical benefits of vitamin D. Yeah. Yes. The simple vitamin D. And I know, you know, it's essential for bone growth and skin and all the rest of it if you know at the right amount not at the sunburnt sort yeah. of level and i remembered that a few years ago uh, you had a serious vitamin d deficiency huge like my body wouldn't and i know that you're yeah you're not alone in that your body just would not absorb vitamin d from the sun and no. that's i think 85 or 95 90 of where we get it like yeah. we need the There are some foods that do contain vitamin D, uh, but for me, none of it worked. And I was someone who would always spend time outdoors in the garden, that kind of stuff. And being in Australia, we don't suffer from traditional, like true seasonal affective disorder. People who live in northern countries or very, very southern maybe, 
do suffer from it because of the lack of sunlight and vitamin D. Uh, that wasn't my case, but yeah, it was brutal. It really so affected my um, your mood. Oh yeah, massively. Let alone everything, like all the other physical impacts. Mm. It was a, a mental thing for me. It really affected my my mood and my depression. That was when I was suffering the worst of my depression when I was going through that. And I think that had a huge impact on it, taking supplements and stuff. I wonder whether that was, and it made me think about it because I, I was just saying, oh, we're absorbing so much vitamin D at the moment. Did the vitamin D deficiency impact your postnatal depression, do you think? Was I'm, it like I'm not a doctor, but or... I, I think that it certainly was linked personally. Because you get those, I mean, I remember reading somewhere about how weather impacts your mood and how people experience that, you know, chronic when it doesn't, when you don't see the sun for, yeah. you know, months and months and months. What do you call that? Seasonal affective disorder. That's it. Yeah. Wow. Like it made me think about that and how. Mm-hmm. Well, you see been. people in Nelson the last few days when the sun's been shining, people are out, people are happy, people are soaking it up, walking everywhere, even though it's a seriously steep place to walk. Um, you know, and I think it's, there's this joyfulness in the air that people are talking about. Okay. And to round out the week? Uh, to round out the week, I ended up with, I had another cranky day. Mm. And again, could have convinced myself to just stay inside, but went outside and took this huge, big, deep cleansing breath as soon as I walked outside uh, and, and went for a wander. And instead of finding the extra energy to go for a two-hour walk like I did the day before, uh, a couple of days previous to that, I found a park bench just along this trail that we're near. And I sat down, maybe walked 10 minutes each way, sat down and just, it was so beautiful. It was really sunny, quite warm. And I just played with the snow like a kid. Like I felt like I was at the beach, you know, yeah, when you would let. Yeah, and, yeah. But the snow does this really beautiful thing here when it's melting, it kind of turns into these crystals, they look like diamonds. And mm-hmm. it was, I don't, it was just fun. I just sat there in the sun for an hour, just playing. Speaking of playing in the snow, have you, have you barefooted yet? Not yet. I was thinking about that the other day when we were on our hike. I really would like to. You should. Yes, I should. Just to give it a go before the <laughs> snow melts, just yeah. to experience that yeah, okay. playfulness. <laughs> and can I record it when you do sure, it? Sure. Why yeah. not? So let's now talk about, we've done, both of us done a bit of research, mm. not a lot, but looking specifically at the physical benefits of being in the great outdoors. Did you want to kick off on one of the themes that you found? Yeah, I I immediately, as I said, was curious about the fitness aspect of it. Does being in the vicinity of, living in the vicinity of, or prioritizing time in nature make you more physically fit? Uh, And there's no real research that says that that's necessarily the case if you're looking at things like ability to run a marathon Mm. or, you know, that kind of modern day idea of fitness. But it is proven that people who either live in an urban area that has access to green space or who prioritize time in nature have a longer lifespan and typically a healthier life up until the end of it. Uh, And that's even, I mean, there's a number of studies that that go into the specifics of that, but it's things like uh, lower blood pressure, an ability to cope with stress, Mm -hmm. um, a reduction in the stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline, you know, regularly, because that's one of the, the physical byproducts of time in nature. Uh, And then that has an impact on things like inflammation, 
It has an impact on things like your immunity and an impact on things like your ability to heal and recover from an illness more quickly. So all of those things combined over a lifetime quite often equate to a, a like a quote healthier life. It's not, again, not lifting weights, it's not running marathons, but it's a more healthful life. And I thought that was really interesting and something that maybe we don't necessarily focus on because we're looking for the immediate benefits. And this one really hit home to me because it can mean, you know, a much more active life over a longer period of time. Yeah. And it sort of relates to yeah, going back to the being outside and getting fitter and all that sort of thing. While it doesn't strictly correlate in that way, I did some research that found that just being outside makes exercise easier yep. and makes you want to return to do that exercise. There was a study that showed a whole group of people were exercising outside and then the other half inside in a gym and they were new to it, new to exercising. And those are were outside a greater proportion of them came back every day or every second day or wherever it was to exercise mm. outside rather than being indoors in a gym. So it's not like a direct impact, but it's an indirect result of being outside is that you got a better chance of, of getting fit. And yeah. But I also looked at the real simple visual thing of just being outside, like with the green. Right. And... There was a study in uh, University of Essex that found that just being around the colour green, like trees and grass and plants, makes exercise feel easier huh. compared to someone. So they did a it was bike riding, stationary bike riding. So stationary bike riding on an exercise bike outside next to a tree, you know, plants and nature and all the rest of it. And someone indoors in a red painted room. Right. Okay. Person outdoors recovered faster, as in sore muscles, not as big an issue as the, the people that did it inside. They felt lower exertion doing the exercise. Hmm. So the person inside was puffing and struggling while the person people outside were not. And this is like, you know, this I've, I've bastardised this recount, but just the simple, like a colour, like being present, and I don't know whether it's the colour or is there more oxygen or all the rest of it, but I felt that that was really interesting and another indirect benefit of, of exercising outside. Yeah, and which can, as we mentioned, lead to greater levels of fitness over time. So they're, like, they're big picture things. There's some unbelievably fascinating and exciting research to me that's becoming more prevalent and kind of, I guess, more top of mind for a lot of people, health professionals, that kind of stuff that impact very particular areas of our health. So there's one thing that I had never thought of, but this has been well documented in a number of studies, that spending an increased time amount of time outside for kids and adolescents reduces the prevalence of myopia, which is nearsightedness, significantly. Wow. So this Australian study that tracked 2,000 kids over a number of years and tracked the amount of time they spent outside as opposed to indoors. And the kids who spent time outside had a significantly reduced incidence of nearsightedness, 
as opposed to the kids who spent more time indoors. And it's not a bad exercise because they also attract kids who played indoor sports right. as opposed to kids who spent time outside. So it's not a physical activity thing yep. necessarily. It's a light. They think it's the light and the way that our brains and our eyes interact with natural light as opposed to artificial light. So that's something I'd never considered at all, ever before, vision. And then there's this thing that I have only just started to scratch the surface of. This is good. This, is, this really excites me because I think it's, like, it's actually magic. It's not, but it, for me it feels like it's magic. There's phytochemicals, which are chemicals created by plants and a specific kind that is produced by trees uh, that you find in forests like cedars and oaks. And uh, there's also tea tree trees. Uh, I think it was garlic and something else that was quite unexpected. But these particular kinds of plants create these chemicals. And they're created by the plants to protect themselves from insect attack. But what these chemicals also do, because they're antibacterial, anti-fungal, um, antiviral, antimicrobial, I think. Nice. <laughs> is that when we as humans spend time in a forest and breathe them in, it helps our bodies to create more of a particular kind of white blood cell called natural killer cells. And the job of those cells is to kill viral cells and tumor cells in our body. So when we breathe in these phytochemicals, these particular chemicals from forests, our bodies become more adept at fighting viral cells, virus cells, and killing tumor cells. Now, Unbelievable. It's, it's phenomenal to yeah. me just from spending time around trees. So everyone whose research I have read and I'm putting my hand up to, to agree with them is, is saying this is not saying that trees cure cancer, cancer. or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. But there is something really profound happening here and the science scientific community Communities and the medical excited. community is getting really yeah. excited about yeah. it. Absolutely. So for me, that's just phenomenal. And then they, they go on to talk about how the same chemicals or, or a similar kind of uh, reaction happens when we're around trees that impacts our immune system, our ability to fight off colds and flu and viruses, like less serious things, uh, as well as recover from things, from you know illnesses. And I just think that's phenomenal. It is insane, really. Like, just unbelievable. Mm. How's this, though? And this is one specifically that relates to us at the moment because we're in the mountains. But the benefit of of being in higher altitudes to weight loss and to metabolism, I looked at this study and simply spending time at a higher altitude can help you lose weight as long as you're out there and, and exercising in because... It can speed up your metabolism and lessen your hunger cravings huh. because of the, not only because of the altitude, but because when you're exercising and you're climbing and going, you know, and descending and ascending and, and all the rest of it, you, your concentration has to be more than just purely exercising on a treadmill inside. So... You've got all these variables is probably what I'm trying to say. All mm. these variables when you're up in the higher altitudes, climbing mountains and yeah. all the rest of it, rather than doing inclines and declines on a on a stationary treadmill. treadmill. Yeah. It's not the same as climbing so stairs. So your, and... your concentration is directly linked to your metabolism. 
So it can help you if you're concentrating more on the exercise and on your breathing and all the rest of it, it heightens your metabolism. Wow. But then also the benefit, just being the benefits of, of being in those mountains and in a higher altitude um, contributes to weight loss. And I can, like over the last couple of weeks, well, I should go back. Before we left on our big trip, I didn't fit into some pants that I should have been fitting into. Do you know what I mean? Like I'd put on a few extra kilos over Christmas. Over Christmas, but I I've shed that and mm. can now fit it back into these pants. And I think it's down to just being in the mountains and just being more active outside in the higher altitude. Mm. So like really none of what we're talking about has anything to do with exercise, but the physical benefits are so far-ranging, really. I mean, you've spoken about physical performance in terms of exercise, but I just think that there's so much here for people who, again, might be skeptical of the mind, like the mindfulness connection or the mental well-being connection, can't really dispute the fact that physically, backed by science, not, you know, it's not some hippy-dippy-woo idea, backed by science, that spending time in nature is physically beneficial. I just think... One of those three things that we've spoken about over the last three weeks should be enough to convince people to to try this. So if you haven't yet, if you've been listening or you, this is your first episode listening, I have created a uh, a checklist for this month's experiment. You don't have to be playing along in March. You can play along anytime. You can continue it once March is finished. In fact, I'd love it if you did. But you can download it at uh, slowyourhome.com slash nature and Rather than than prescribe everyone spending an hour in nature every day, it's simply a, a checklist of different ways to start to engage with nature. Not exercise in nature, not get sweaty or anything like that, but just different ways of viewing the world around us and getting out into it every day. Yeah. Yeah. How's it? I just want to share this one more study that I looked at, and it's looked at um, being outdoors helps us age gracefully. I don't want to age gracefully. The Journal of <laughs> Aging Health. Well, there's some of us m- want to do that, yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah. So they did a study. They, they took participants 17, 70 years old and it's a seven-year study. Mm-hmm. They didn't, like, influence them. They just looked at the ones that spent time outdoors mm-hmm. more than others. Mm-hmm. And they found that those over the age of, Uh, So over those seven years, those that were outside showed fewer complaints of aching bones or sleep problems. They showed um, benefits like dementia loss and stroke and improved social skills and confidence and mobility than those that didn't. Right. So the people who spent time outdoors. Yeah. Over that period of time in their 70s, yeah. had less incidence of things like stroke and dementia. Yeah. Wow. Now, whether that, you know, it, it was it's one study, right? Sure. But it just goes to show you like just the what you're talking about, the healing benefits mm. of being outside. And and look, there could have been pre-medical issues that prevented those that were indoors more. But I just think it's just fascinating that this small what's well, small, but it's it's actually a huge problem. One of your one of our great listeners that commented on a recent post on a, on the Slow Home Pod, or it might have been on your own Instagram, about um, our kids 
And on average, kids are spending less than 30 minutes a day outside a week. Yeah, that blew my mind. So so that's a massive problem because as the, um, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't didn't grab their, their handle, their social media handle, but they said these are the people that are going to influence our environmental and sustainability and all these other public policy positions in the future. So it's re- it's, this is such an important issue mm. is what we're trying to say. Yeah. It really is so important to get everyone outside. Absolutely. Kids, grandparents. That's where it's got to everyone. start. It's got to start with kids because if, if we influence them, reconnect them to nature, like Florence Williams talks about, uh, like The Last Child in the Woods book talks about, if we get kids back outside, it will have a generational change, an impact on generations to come. I mean, we as adults can make choices for ourselves and changes for ourselves, but if we influence our kids to get outside and enjoy it now, that's going to change. It will actually change society, change communities, change countries. You spoke about the start of this experiment. How do we influence governments to actually do more in this area? And I think it's just ongoing research. Mm. It's it's just proving it every step of the way because there's not a lot that I've been reading that say being outdoors is worse for your health, (laughs) whether it's physical or mental. Not one piece of research that has said that. No. We just need to keep we need to keep going. Yeah. I agree. And we we spoke a lot about that last week. But I've become really quite passionate about this over the course of the last few weeks. I mean, I've always understood the importance of it, but this has really highlighted it. Not only my personal experience with it, but the research that we've been doing. Like, there is so much more to gain and so much more that we could lose if we don't make these changes. So, I mean, look, there is so much more that we could talk about in terms of the physical benefits of time in nature. We didn't even touch really on inflammation and the studies that they're doing about the impact of inflammation, stress reliefs, uh, blood pressure. You mentioned it before, sleep. And I think looking at my personal experience the last few years, if I hadn't, when I don't sleep well, I get sick, I get run down, my mental health is poor, it means I'm less motivated to get outside, means that everything takes a beating mentally and physically just because of sleep. But since we've been doing this experiment, my sleep, which has always been pretty good or the last few years has been pretty good, has been outstanding. Yeah. Just lovely, solid sleep. So, I mean, even though sleep could be argued is getting good sleep a physical benefit or not, I mean, probably, but the physical benefits that roll on from being well-rested are huge. Huge. So there's, I mean, as I said, there's so much more we could talk about, but I'd love to know, I guess, what your experiences uh, people listening have been in terms of the physical benefits of the experiment, whether you find yourself sleeping better or feeling less stressed or, uh, you know, your immune system is better, you're less inclined to pick up colds. I don't know what it is, but uh, let us know. You know, you head over to slowyourhome.com slash 233 for the show notes. Uh, No, not 233, 230, sorry. For the show yeah, notes. let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> For the show notes and all the links to studies and things that we've referenced in today's episode, as well as the uh, nature checklist that I mentioned before. And enjoy your week outdoors. Hashtag slow experiment. Keep playing along. Yes, please do. Uh, yeah, and enjoy the experiment. Enjoy your week. And we'll see you next week.
Hi, Puck Pass. But not in the ways I was expecting. Let's get into it. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. <laughs>